Hello, everybody. My name is Lon Strohschein, former public company executive turned lifestyle engineer. One year ago, I left my job as a public company executive, and I left without a resume, without another job, without a Rolodex of clients. But I left anyway. I left believing that the best years of my life were in front of me and knowing that they weren't going to be found where I was standing. I left and my mission has become to inspire the lives of a thousand dudes, to inspire the dude I used to be, to go do the things they want to do. My job here is to give you courage to finally act. And it's to remind you that dude, at this stage in life, nobody shows up to do it for you, but I'm here and I'll travel that highway with you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you along the normal 40 highway. Welcome to Normal 40, the podcast. My name is Adam Eaton. I'm your co-pilot today, and I am pleased to be joined by the founder of Normal 40, uh, a lead pilot, if you will, a dude you need to know, someone who is on a journey to help a thousand people live their second half story. His name is Lon Strohschein. Lon, uh, welcome back to your own show, by the way. How are things? Uh, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I hey, well, I want to welcome you back to our show, man. You, you've uh, you've You've been in and out a few times the last last few rounds. Yeah, and a little sabbatical, some family stuff cut, pop up here and there. But uh, and hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the series of shows that have come out uh, that don't feature me as well. I think the uh, uh, the content is great no matter who's on the show. And and if you've got Lon running the point guard position as as it were, I think we're always in good hands, Lon. In today's show, uh, we're going to talk about a really interesting topic, something that I know kind of essentially drives you a little bit. And, and this may sound weird to people, right? Because thinking about obviously what you're trying to build, the community that you've started so far, if again. And if you're listening to us, you've probably listened to other shows. You've probably consumed content um, in some form or fashion. If it's podcast, if it's LinkedIn, if it's the, the newsletter, if it's the insider, you're, you're a part of the normal 40 in, in some form or fashion. But pre-show, Lon hit me with a question that I was really surprised he asked. And I think it's going to be really interesting to explore today, Lon. And, and so I'll, I'll hit you with the question you hit me with, and we can, we can begin there. Your question simply was, why do people keep coming back here? Why do people keep coming to Normal 40? Why are you downloading this podcast? Why are you following us on LinkedIn? Why are you why are you subscribing to newsletter? Why are you here? Which sounds really weird because ultimately, right, you want people to be here, right? But I think it's really introspective and I think it's really important for you as somebody who's cultivating a community to stop and go, why are you people here? Why do you keep coming back? Um, so let's just start there, Lon. Why is that a question that is on your mind? Why is that something that you think about? Why is that something that kind of drives you and, and, and pre presents some curiosity for you? Well, it kind of sets the pace for everything that we do. Um, clearly, you know, when I, I tell people, I kind of... I happened upon this almost accidentally, um, which is kind of true, but kind of not. I, I, I leaned in, I, I, I put some things out on LinkedIn, and I, I discovered early that there's something there. There's a nugget. I'm striking a nerve. The fact that I had a good job in a job I liked, in a, in a business I loved, doing work that was really good and fulfilling, but I just knew my future wasn't there, and I wanted to try something else, and I, and I wrote about that, and people started showing up. I realized there was a nerve there. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. None, none, zero. I just knew I was going to continue to, to see what I could learn about this community. And, and the more I shared about what I was feeling, the more people showed up. So I would, I would ask myself this question when people started asking for a call the first time and the second time. And then the third time, 
and they started emailing me and asking for more. Um, and they wanted more time with me. They wanted to ask me more questions. And you know, you look, this interesting emotions come up when that happens. One, I felt, um, I felt like the experience I had was a fit for people and it could be helpful. And that's wildly fulfilling. But then I would ask myself, well, what, what is it that, that sets people out in search of something? And what is it that when they find the normal 40 content, when they find me, feels to them like it's starting to answer something. It's starting to awaken something in them. It's starting to, to bring something alive or kick something that's been covered up in dust. Kick it hard enough to bring it to the service, surface. Excuse me. So I asked the question, you know, why, do keep, why do people keep coming back here? And, and I've decided that I think I know the answer. And the answer is that um, people hope. People are looking for hope, first of all. They're, they're looking for, for hope. They're looking for a guide. They're looking for somebody who's done it. They're looking for a story that they want to follow. And then they want the hope of knowing that maybe, just maybe it's possible for them too. And so they, they come here, they come back. They come the first time, not even knowing they're really searching, not even knowing that there's what they're searching for, for sure. But they know that they don't feel the way they used to feel. They know they wish they did and they don't know what to do about it, they come across this message and there's a glimmer of hope that starts to sparkle, twinkle, shine, that brings them kind of back to life. And I think it's that moment of hope where they, they lean in and they lurk and they just start, start following. And then eventually they get to the point where they reach out and they ask for a ramble. Maybe they download the 14 questions that changed my life on the website, whatever. They find something um, and they, they come back and they're looking for hope. Hope that it's not too late to start. Uh, hope that they don't get it wrong when it's time to transition. Hope they don't wait um, until it, they feel like it's too late. And hope that that the future they want is still in front of them. And then I think in this tiny little way, Adam, after all of that hope, they want to push. They want, they want someone to push them into actually doing something. And if you go back and you look at my posts, you listen to these podcasts, hopefully at some point you get that push. And uh, anyway, I, to, going back to your question, why do people keep showing up here? They hope it's not too late and they hope that they finally one day pick a day to start. I had a, a former boss of mine that had a, a saying that used to drive me crazy um, when we talked about work stuff. And, and I want to I give you this saying and, and have you kind of respond to it. He used to tell me all the time, Hope is not a strategy. Hope, hope is not a strategy. We, we, we shouldn't hope we're going to make sales. We shouldn't hope we're going to you know, get our goals done this, this, this quarter. We shouldn't hope that we have a great team. Hope is not a strategy. So how do you think of hope in this context? Because I think what you're describing is a very positive emotion, a very, uh, you know, a, a very pleasant emotion, right? I, I hope that the best days are in front of me, but hope's not a strategy. So how, how do people take the hope and put that into strategy. And how, how does normal 40 sort of intertwine with, uh, with both those two concepts? And we've all had that moment where we've been in the boardroom or the conference room or a strategy session where somebody comes in and they just can't wait to be the one to deliver that, to deliver that statement. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's a weapon. That phrase is a weapon and you come in and you, you, you kind of wait for the individual to talk all high and lofty and wishy and washy and you can't wait to use that weapon and establish yourself as the one who is going to have the concrete answer 
or at least know exactly what the what the concrete answer isn't. So they they you know you launch it, and I've done it. Look, hope is not a strategy. We you know we can't we can't bank on that. But I'll tell you, every strategy that I've ever been a part of that's actually been successful, I would agree. Hope isn't the strategy, but hope has been an element of the strategy. If you if you work for a company that has a great strategy but it's free of hope and it's hopeless and you're working there, man, I don't want to I don't want that. I don't want any part of that. I don't care what the financial return is. I tr- I I'm I'm in the place where I just I I and I agree. Hope isn't a strategy. Great, fine. But if you are in a place, around a place and around people where hope doesn't get to be an ingredient, it doesn't get to be part of what it is you're aspiring to be and do. If it's hopeless, man, that is a horrible place to be. How do you go from, and I guess this is the, you know, the, the million dollar question, right? Um, because, you know, if you had this answer, if everybody kind of understood this, we'd probably be in a much better place. How do you go from just a, a feeling of hope to a feeling of belief, right? I, I hope I can, you know, do this in the future. I hope I can find this purpose. I hope I can do that. I hope I have this opportunity. I hope my best days are, are still in front of me. What's the trigger point or what do you see in people that you've interacted with and that you've, you've helped and that you've supported? What's that trigger point that goes from hope to belief? And, and what's that process like? Because it's not instantaneous, right? You don't go from, you know, on a Tuesday going, man, I hope I can do that to a Wednesday going, man, I know I can. Maybe you, you say it out loud, but I don't know if you really truly intrinsically think that that's actually going to happen. What, what's that process look like as you've seen it, as you develop it from hope to actual belief? Yeah. Well, the reason you go in with hope and that's kind of where you sit and, and, and you um, kind of linger is because you don't have evidence yet. You know, you, you hope, so let's take me, you know, I, I, I can talk about me because I, it's hard to offend me to me. So me, um, going back a year and a half ago, um, you know, I was, I was hoping that I would someday have, take a bet on me. I was hoping that I would someday have my own company, do my own thing, control my own calendar. And I was hoping that I would find a way, I thought I would buy a business. I thought I would go out and buy a business and, and, and run an established business but I was hoping that I would have the control and the freedom and all of the things that I'd been wanting for, for a period of time. But uh, in that hope, I didn't have any evidence. I didn't have any evidence that I would be successful. I didn't have any evidence of exactly what it was going to look like. And so there's this, there's this conflict. I, I didn't want to start until I had evidence of, that it would be successful. And what I realized is you don't, you, you don't often get to start um, before you have evidence. So you kind of kind of what what turns hope into movement is when you incrementally do some things, you start something in the background, something I, you know, I call them other bets, um, but but other things you do in the background to explore and push the envelope to try to build a, a, a mental business case around what it is you're feeling called, inspired or um is part of your dream going forward. So you've got to, and it it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Nobody even knows, needs to know you're doing it. There are little things that you can do um, in the exploring phase that gives you proof, that gives you evidence, that gives you courage to, to put more definition to what it is you're hoping to do. And that's, that's really where it starts. I mean, I think hope Hope is where you finally confess that maybe what you're doing today isn't ultimately where you want to be 
at the end, maybe it's not even where you ultimately want to be in two and three years from now. And I think that's, it's, it's fine and good and healthy to have that hope, but man, you've got to back it up with an action. You've got to back it up with the basics of a plan that starts to build out some clarity around what it is you're hoping to do next. Look, there, there are people who just heard you say that, and and I'm sitting in a chair looking at you on the screen here, and and my anxiety just went through the roof because you just asked me to take a leap of faith and assume something's going to work off when I have no evidence that it actually might work. Long that that's probably scound. There are people who are probably scared shitless of that concept, right? How do you how do you get past that mental block of saying, hey, man, you want me just to start something and hope it works, and if I really don't even know if it's it's going to work, it's going to try, like. How do, you, how do you sort of navigate that thought process around people being scared to take that first leap? If there's no evidence, it's going to work. It's, you, you mortgage your future, sometimes figure, really sometimes literally, to try to go after this hope, but you have no idea if it's going to work. How, how, do you, how do you sort of wrap your mind around that concept? And how, how do you think in your experience and what you went through and what you see in others, how do people get comfortable in that space? Because to me, anxiety whew, through the roof. Yeah, and that's, that's really normal. Look, there's a couple of ways. One, if you can start before you quit, do that. Um, if you can start exploring and testing, if you can ratchet down your 65-hour weeks to 55-hour weeks, and you can take a few of those hours and you can dedicate it to exploring, testing, and doing some things on the side just to pay attention to how it makes you feel, pay attention to what it's inspiring you to do, Pay attention to the aspirations that are starting to resurface in you that, that, that have been there all along, but you've kind of been ignoring. If you can do that while before you walk away, before you quit, so that you've got that evidence, man, your courage to actually make the trade at that point, to actually go all in, goes through the roof. So if you can do that, if you're at a place to where you can do the gain, gain the experience, do the exploring and testing before you leave, do that. But you have to, you have to make the space for it. You, this is what you can't do. You can't hope that you make the time for it. You can't hope that you have the evidence before you start. You have to, this is the trade. You have to make the time. This is where, where hope is good and bad. It hope ends. It has an end point. It's fuel, but at some point you need to convert, you need to convert to actual action and you have to start testing what it is you want to do. And in time, and it doesn't take years to test, it takes months. And in a course of a few months, you'll get a lot more, you'll get some reps in and you'll get an understanding. You'll have some evidence of what you do and do not like about this next step, next chapter, next phase that you're dreaming about. And if you can do that, do that. That's one. Two, you might get laid off. You might, you might, arrive at work this Friday, times are tough, the economy's in an interesting and precarious way, and companies are in, they're entering this protection mode, and you might be part of the collateral damage. You might be. And, and so that too has elements of anxiety, but I think the process you go through is still no different. I think you still lean into what it is you feel, you, you recall what it is your aspirations have been and were, and you get serious about what it is, what it looks like to actually test and explore what it is you want to do next. Me, let's go back to me. What did I do? Um, I wasn't asked to leave. I wasn't fired, but 
in the process, while I had my day job, I went out and I got my coaching certification and I started coaching people for free. I had no idea I was going to actually use that as, as a part of my own company in the future. I just knew I liked it and I knew that it made me feel good and I knew I liked helping people and I knew that I was wired to inspire people to think bigger and do a little bit more than what they're doing. The ingredients of who I wanted to be included coaching. That was part of my exploring. That was part of my testing and it was part of my investing. I was spending some dollars and, and money. I'd moved beyond hope beyond I hope I do something, beyond I hope I figure it out, and into let me test and see what this works, how this works, where it works. And it doesn't, it, if you do it the way I did it, it's ideal for most people, but sometimes you don't have that luxury. And you do quit, you get fed up, you move on, or you get let go. And, and you, but the process is the same. You've got to lean into and you got to start exploring. The last thing I'll say, Adam, and this is important, don't start with how. Don't start with how. Um, and what I mean by that is if I, if I would have started, when I went back and got my coaching certification just before COVID, it was March of 2020. And if I had to start with, well, how am I going to make a business out of this? How am I really going to inspire a thousand lives? How am I going to create a following and have a podcast? How am I going to make enough money and have a cohort of dudes that, um, that, provide the means of, for me to put kids through college and, and, and uh, make a house payment. If I'd have started with that, if I'd have started with how is that going to happen, I would have never started. That's a hope killer. It makes you hopeless because it puts all the pressure on one path. But if you show up curious and explore. Right. Well, well the perils of doing a podcast in full transparency to that. We don't, we don't lie to you, the audience. There's a bunch of audio technical difficulties. Lon and I have experienced on the show uh, this so far. We've had start stop a few times. So uh, somehow mid, uh, mid thought uh, it got, it got cut out Lon. So full transparency. We're honest with you people. It may feel a little disjointed, but just stick with us here. Lon, you were talking about one of the most important uh, ideas, which was don't start with the how and, and kind of talking through if you had started your particular coaching, um, you know, line of thinking, if you will, with the how am I going to make this a business that one worked out. So why don't we why don't we wrap that thought uh, and, and then we can move on to the next question. Man, I love doing podcasts like this. I love the fact that we can be rambling along and all of a sudden our Internet goes out mid mid recording. And here we are. But yeah, I mean, this is but this is it. If This is a great example of um, if you get so tuned into how it how you're going to do something how uh, how exactly it needs to work in sequence, you'll never start. You'll never start. If I had worried about how I was going to make a business out of getting a coaching certification, I would have never, ever started. You just lean into one small thing at a time and let it guide you. And now you, sometimes you don't always have a, have a, a runway, uh, a long runway to do that. But if you're employed right now and you've got a dream, you've got the runway. You just have to start. All right, Lon, what's the difference between having hope and having a goal? How are those two things different? Because in some respects, I, I hope I'm going to do this. I hope I'm going to do that. But I have, I have a goal to do that. How are those two things different? How's the mindset different as you think about having hope versus I'm actually going to put a goal on paper? Is there a differentiator between those two as, as you've experienced it? Yeah, the difference is clarity. I think you have hope when you just hope that today's your day to start. You hope that um, something finds you, an omen finds you, something gets you going. You, you hope that, that uh, 
one day I'm going to write something that gets something out of you, which is also my hope. I, I don't, I, I never hope that you, um, I, that is my hope. I hope you, you show up and that I finally get something out of you. That is the hope. But the difference between hopes and goals is, is the clarity. Once you kind of, when, once you've started to explore and started to test and you start to frame up what it is you want to do next, what it is you want to, what, what it is you want your life to look like in two and three years. I mean, that's the best first question. Where am I today? Realistically, honestly, purely, where am I today? What do I love? What do I hate? What am I tolerating? And what are my aspirations? Where's the gap? What do I, what, what is that? Do that hard analysis of what is real and, and true in you. And be honest, be honest about it, write it down. It's only for you, write it down, be honest. And then use that um, to try to build clarity into what it is you want your life to look like in two and three years. Don't, don't burden it with what do you want the rest of your life to look like. Sometimes I talk about that in your second half story and it puts all this weight on exactly what your second half needs to look like. Don't, you don't need to start there. Start with where am I today? And what would success look like for me in two years? In two, if I'm living the life I want to be living in two years, what are the ingredients? Don't talk. You don't need to say, I want to be, I want to have this job. I want to be working for this company. I want to make this much money. I want to take this many vacations. Don't start there. Start with what are the ingredients of my life in two years from now? Because the ingredients will tell you, the ingredients will give you clarity and the ingredients will set your goal. And when you have that goal, now you, when you have that clarity, you can establish a goal around that. So the biggest difference between hope, hope is the fuel. It gets you started. You hope you get started. The goal comes after you have some level of clarity. And sometimes your goal, almost every time I, when I, when I ramble with people, I often ask them. So in six months from now, if I'm talking to you and you feel like you've made progress, tell me what's happened. And it's got to put them in the future and they've got to talk about themselves in the future. And oftentimes their goal in six months from now is to have some clarity. That's it. Well, I'm telling you, that sounds small, but if you think about your own life, if you can hear my voice and you don't have clarity on what you want your life to look like in two years, but you know, it isn't what you, what you're doing now, you know it. Well, in six months from now, wouldn't it be valuable to have clarity on what it is you do want your life to look like in two years? I mean, that is, that is the core of normal 40 to inspire you to act, to get clarity on what it is you want the second half of your life to look like. Yeah, that's such a great point, Long, because I think if, I, if I'm self-reflective for a moment, I, I think that's a little bit about where I often get stuck in thinking about this journey, right? And I think for, I, I don't know if, if it resonates with a lot of people out there. I joke all the time with friends and family. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, right? And that's that age old question. You're in kindergarten and you're in first grade and the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And people, you know, firefighter, police officer, I want to be a bank, whatever the, the options are, right? Well, here we are, and a lot of us out there, and I'll speak hopefully for a few who are listening and, and watching this. We're 40 plus year old dudes and we don't know what we want to be when we grow up. We just know we don't want to be what we are today. And I think that's the that's the biggest challenge in this entire process is you have the hope that there's something else out there, but you have no idea what the hell it is, right? All you know is I don't want it to be what it feels like today. I want to feel different tomorrow than I do today. But I think that's where people, and, and again, I'll be self-reflective. That's where I get stuck a lot is someone says, well, great. Hey, Adam, I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for having that clarity. Well, hey, what do you want to do? And, and I go, well, gee, I don't know. 
And if that person said, well, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you sell stocks and bonds? I'd be like, ah, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you go mow lawns for a living? Yeah, that's not so bad. Like you could probably talk me into just about anything in that moment in time. And it's almost feeling like a continuum, right? You just get stuck on this, on this hamster wheel circle where you go, hey, I don't know where I want to be tomorrow. I just know it's not here, but I still don't know why I want to be when I grow up. And it feels like in some respects, if I'm hearing you correctly and feel free to, 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 you know, you know, autocorrect this, you're saying, Hey man, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you want to be when you grow up. What do you want to be tomorrow? What do you want to be the day after that? What are the things you want your life to be about? Don't worry about what you want to be when you grow up, find that through a natural path. You're not going to sit down with a whiteboard and a pen and sketch that out per se, right? That just comes maybe with some, some form of self-discovery if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. The, the thing that phrase, what do you want to be when you grow up to a 45-year-old? It's the thing we say to avoid talking about it. Think about it. Think about it when, when you've said it or you've heard somebody else say it. Oh, yeah, I just don't know what I want to be when I grow up. That, they're saying that to end the conversation. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to. It's just like, I don't, want to, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, so I'm just going to be this. I'm going to tolerate. I'm going to stay where I'm at, and I'm going to smile when I say it so I look clever because it's embarrassing. It's freaking embarrassing to be 48 and not know and to know that where I am and what I'm doing is fine and it's what I wanted and it's what I aspired to be and it's what I achieved and it's great, but I don't want anymore. That's freaking embarrassing, man. Nobody wants to talk about that. Dudes don't want to talk about it. It's where that is the single biggest reason why people show up to normal 40. They're embarrassed because they're successful, smart, articulate, brave, done the great things, traveled, sacrificed, built, grown, purchased, sold, failed, success, all that shit. And they don't know what they want to do next. They just know it isn't what they're doing now. Well, who are you going to tell that to? You're going to call some dude on the internet and you're going to tell him that's what happens. And I get it. I get it. It goes back to the very first thing in our very first podcast we talked about, Adam. It's the image. It's embarrassing because you've got an image of a guy who's got it put together. You've made it to where you are. You've got the house, the cars, the, 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 all the things around you. Look in your own garage, man. Look in your own garage and tell me that isn't an image of safety and a dude who knows exactly what he's doing. So now to enter a conversation, say, yeah, you know what? I just don't really know what I want to do next. I don't want to know what I, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. You can't do it. It's embarrassing. It stops you. It makes you hopeless. It makes you think that all I can, the best I can do is ride this out. And it's kind of bullshit. It is the very thing I try to, I, when I tell people I show up to post, to inspire, to be empathetic, to teach, and then to punch, that is the exact thing I'm trying to punch is that image of, of staying where you are. And, uh, and it's, it's absolutely embarrassing. So what do you want to be when you grow up? It's too big. It's too big to get your arms around. What do you want to be in two years? What are the ingredients? You can start there. You can answer that question. You can put this podcast on hold. You can go for a walk and take 45 minutes to yourself. And you can ask yourself that question 50 times. What do I want to be in two years? What are the ingredients? What do I want to be in two years? What are the ingredients? And listen to what you tell yourself. If you do that, you have started. You are exploring. Now you're moving out of hope. You're here for hope. You're here hoping that I finally kick you in the ass hard enough to do something. 
That is why you're here. That's the only reason. That is why you are here. You're, this is what you can do about it. Go for a walk and ask yourself the question, what do I want my life to look like in two years? And what are the ingredients? And, and lean into that. And then you've started. I like the topic of hope because it allows me to um, to give you one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. Uh, I'm going to quote Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption, what he said, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, right? And we're talking about hope here in general. But undoubtedly, Lon, there's somebody out there listening to this that's lost that hope. They, they had it maybe for a little bit and, and you know, they, they tried some stuff and it just, they've lost it. And they're sitting here and they're listening to this and they've got that, that sense of hopelessness. They've got that sense of, yeah, I tried that, didn't work. Yeah, I, I figured that out. Yeah, you know, this happened, that happened, right? They've got that sense of hopelessness. How do you, how do you get it back, Lon? If you've lost it, if you, if you had it for a little bit, if you don't believe in it, if it's, it just kind of went away for whatever reason and you're, you're sitting in what, what would be essentially a hopeless state right now, how do you get that back? What's the spark? What's the thing that people can do to try to reinvigorate that hope back into their life to begin the process of that self-discovery that you're talking about? Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's hard. It's really hard. And everybody thinks it should be easy. And that's actually the, the biggest problem. Everybody thinks that they should know what they want in two years and they don't. Everyone thinks they should know what they want their life to look like in 10 years and they don't. And everyone thinks they should know what their dreams really are in great detail by the time you're in your forties and you don't. And it's, it's really hard to discover that because we spent the last 15 or 20 years of our lives kind of ignoring it. Um, we let the grind of our lives get cover, cover up all of our aspirations and our hopes and our dreams. And man, it can be, it can feel hopeless and it can be hard and it can be scary and it can be daunting and it can feel desperate at times. I talk to a lot of dudes and they use that word a lot, desperate. I feel desperate. I don't want to. I don't want to feel the way I feel and I feel desperate to get out of the situation I'm in. I just can't. I've got all the responsibility that I've created in all my success, but I'm desperate to escape this. Man, it's a, it is a wicked hard trap. And I, I, two things. One, the way to discovering your dreams is going to be done a lot more through archaeology than it will be through architecture. You know, and um, if you're an architect, you have the tools of backhoes and sky cranes and you, you, that's what you, you know, big heavy equipment, but that isn't what this requires. This requires a guy on his knees with a sandbrush. Um, an archaeologist digging out what, is, what are these things I feel? What are the things that are important to me? What are the things I would trade some money for to have more of in my life? That's, that isn't architecture. That's archaeology. And you've got you've to go there. So one, you've got to figure out what you can do. you got to create the space. You have got to create the, create the space. You need clarity and you need space and you need space and you need clarity. And I don't know which comes first, but you, I start with space. Give yourself some space to dream. And let yourself remind yourself and allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to accept this. We did a whole podcast on the acceptance. Go back and listen to it. Accept this. Accept that your future isn't where your feet are. And if you let yourself accept that in your gut, not in your head, don't just say it, feel it in your gut. My future isn't here, man. My future isn't here. And I accept it. Now, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to get serious about dreaming about it. When you can accept that change is coming 
and you can accept that it's on you to dream about it, think about it, build around it and plan around it. You're, you're, this is, this is hard work, but it's part of the process and where you start. Um, and the other thing I tell people is you get to where you're at, you get to where you're at professionally through you, through a whole bunch of good tools and not the least, which is smarts and your ability to understand profit and loss and your ability to relate to people and whatever your skill set at finance, engineering, legal, um, medical, whatever your skill set is, you get there through a very unique set of skills. But part of the thing that you do on your journey is you learn humility and you learn the value of humility and you learn the value of building up everybody around you and you learn the value of, of sharing all the successes and it, it's what makes you good and it's what you're taught to do. And a lot of times on the back of your badge at work, you've got the word humility and across the walls of your employer, you've got the word humility and it's beautiful. But if you're here, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hoping that maybe this is the day that you finally do something, and you're hoping that you get clarity on a dream and you're hoping you're, you're, you're accepting that your future isn't where your feet are. This is not the time for humility. Humility at this intersection, this little tiny portion of your life where you're wrestling with this, it's no place for humility. This isn't where you give credit to someone else. This isn't where you um, think loosely about what you're really good at. This is a time when you have to be wildly selfish. You have to be very self-righteous. You have to do the awkward, gross, weird thing of scrapping your humility. Now, not outwardly. You can't go to work and be an ass. I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about when you are on this walk that we just talked about that you're going to hit pause and go take. When you're on that, don't bring your humility, man. Don't bring your humility. It's not going to do you any favors. It's going to lead you down a path that's going to lead you to more of what you've already got. And maybe that's okay, but that's not why you're here. Leave your humility and be selfish. This is on you. This is for you. And you have to listen to yourself. Leave your humility alone. Leave it behind and be selfish. If you think about hope, in, in my view, and again, correct me if you feel differently, one of the biggest killers of hope is self-doubt, right? And, and people out there, you know, you, you have a hope of something. You, you have, it, it's interesting, by the way, let's, let's, before I get to that question, you often hear the words hopes and dreams, right? And when you always think about that and we're talking to the kids and you're talking to adults, what are your hopes and dreams? Those are kind of two terms synonymous, right? They, they seem to go together like peanut butter and jelly, or like hot and cold. It seems like it's hopes and dreams always go together. Are those different in your mind? Are those two different things in, in terms of how you think about it or what you've seen in, in normal 40, the, the hope and dream concept? Man, what a great question. I've never thought about that. So this is going to be kind of shooting from, from the hip um, in real time. Like, like so much of our podcasts are, I, I think, um, I think where you're at, if you're in normal 40, I don't know that you separate them. I don't know that you need to. And here's why I say that. Um, to me, they're, they're, they are the same. The dream is the outcome. And to me, the hope is, is kind of the, the process to get there. But I, I really think that if you're listening to this podcast, you're feeling what most people feel when they, when they come into this conversation. And now you got a couple of dudes voices popping around in your head. I don't, I don't see the difference. I think, I think you just need to lean into Accepting the change is happening and getting, putting intent to figuring out what 
you hope and dream your life to look like in just two years? What are the ingredients, the ingredients of, of the dreams in, in just a couple of years? So I, you know, to answer your question, um, at this stage in life, I don't think it, I don't think it, I think it's semantics to try to try to untie them. I think it's, you're channeling the same part of your person to answer that question. And it's the same part of the person we've been ignoring for, for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And whatever part of that in you comes to life first, lean into it. All right. Well, so uh, back to, sorry for the sidebar there, back to the original question I was going to ask is, is self-doubt, right? We all have a little bit of that self-doubt. You know, you have this hope, you have this dream and you maybe you're thinking positively about it. And then the next day, self-doubt creeps in. I can't do that. Like, there's no way I can get that. I, two years, I'm not going to be at this spot. I can't, I can't get that. How do you, how do you overcome that self-doubt? Because I got to imagine that's one of the bigger viruses, if you will, that sort of infects your hope is the feeling of self-doubt, the feeling of that's impossible. I can't do that. I'm not as smart as Bob. I don't have as much money as Pete. I don't have as much time as Jake. The self-doubt stuff that creeps in. How do you how do you sort of try to eradicate that virus when it sort of shows up, particularly when you're in a hopeful state, right? When you're in a hopeful, curious state and those little, I can picture the science class, those little antibodies of self-doubt just start kind of creeping up a little bit, right? How do you, how do you thwart those away and try to keep it moving? Or is it okay to have those, Lon? Is it okay? Is it natural to have those things and sort of have to work through them in order to get to the end of your process? Man, if, if you wait to make the trade until you, until you feel ready, be prepared to wait. Um, I, I challenge you to talk to anyone who's any, any entrepreneur or anybody who's left a company without having, you know, another leave W2 for W2. Um, I doubt there was ever a day when, when that individual said, today's the exact right time to, to make this change, to make this trade. I think that you have to do it scared and you should, you should accept going in that this is a scary time in your life. It's a frustrating time in your life. Um, and that when you make the trade, whether it's for another job or it's for a promotion in your current company, or it's to do what I did, which is to walk away and just take a bet on yourself or to buy a company or whatever it is, whatever that trade is, you're going to do it scared and you're going to do it without guarantees. But that's part of the fun. That's part of the excitement. So let's go back to this imposter syndrome. That's really what we're talking about. Why do, how, do we, how do we get around that? And I, I remember going back and I would always have multiple stories in my head. I would have the stories of hopes and dreams of what I really wanted and what I would, I felt that they've lightened me up when I just allowed myself to think what my life could look like, what were the ingredients in my life could look like in two years. If I get it right, if I, if, if I get it right, if I take a bet on myself, if I follow my passions, I build only what I want to build and I play the long game. I don't get, I, I play the long game. I build what I want to build for the next 10 years of my life but I do that over the next two years of my life. When I was allowed myself to be romantic about that, it was really exciting. But then almost immediately after that, you have the imposter set in with the house. How are you going to do that? Who would really show up? How are they going to, how are you going to create a curriculum that people would follow? How are you going to create a following? How are you going to get, how are you going to charge people? Who's really going to pay you? All of that starts to creep in. And what I realized is there's, there's um, two stories. There's the, the story that's the true story, which is going to be hard and you're ready and you're capable, but you got to get going. And then there's the story we tell ourselves, which is next year will be easier. You should wait. 
you're not ready. This isn't your time. And those are the two stories that are constantly, constantly going on. And you just have to, you have to acknowledge when you're hearing, know the story you're telling yourself, hear the story, say it out loud. This is the story I'm telling myself. I'm telling myself I should wait. I'm telling myself my options vest in six months and that time will be better. I'm telling myself that after the next bonus, I'll have money and the risk will be less. Whatever the story is that you're telling yourself, name it and know it, and then you can deal with it. But chances are it's a bullshit story, and chances are in six months you'll be able to use those same words to keep that same bullshit story going. And, uh, um, and that's, that's how I reason through it is, is, uh, is know the story that you're telling yourself. Well, I'll ask you to maybe put on uh, your normal 40 hat, which you actually have on as you and I were talking here. So how does, how does normal 40 and the group that you've created, the community that that's now sort of cultivated through, uh, through your work and through the things that you work on, how does, how can normal 40 sort of help people be that guide, be that lantern, as you sometimes call it, to get over that hump, to get through that phase? You know, you, you asked the question to start the show, why are people here, right? Why do they keep showing up? Well, they are here now, right? So what is it you think that normal 40 can do to sort of help bring someone along that journey? How can they best leverage the resource? And it's an awesome resource, by the way, because to your point, it didn't exist two years ago. This wasn't a thing two years ago. And in and, and 2019, dudes were presumably walking around feeling miserable to themselves going, well, I, wish, I wish I had a way out of this, right? And here we are in 2023 and there's resources, there's supports, there's group, there's individuals. How do you how do you suppose normal 40 can sort of help those people out there for maybe somebody who hasn't hasn't dove all in, right? Is downloading this podcast, but is still a little bit unsure. Read your your stuff on LinkedIn and says, is this guy for real? I mean, this sounds like mumbo jumbo. How does normal 40 sort of help get somebody off to that next path? One of the things that I I did early on when I created this company is I created a mission for normal 40. And I, it, and it, it's not natural. It's gone through probably 15 or 20 iterations and I've shared it with people. I've shared it with a cohort. Um, and I built it with a cohort. I built it with a coach. And the first word of my mission is to inspire, um, inspire the change of a thousand dudes. I mean, that is, that is the mission. So everything I do, I know that one of the, th the first thing I have to do is inspire you to see and accept that it's possible. That's it. So my mission is to inspire the possible in people who show up. And I think to some, I am that. I am doing that. I walked away from, and you know, that's, it's awesome. And it's um, scary. And it's all the things we've talked about for me. Um, but my mission is to inspire the possible, not my possible. I'm living my possible to inspire the possible in anybody who comes across a post, who comes, a pro, uh, comes across my website, comes across this podcast, is to inspire them to think that maybe, just maybe this is possible for them. And all of the things they've been putting on hold, all of the things they've been feeling, all of the things they've been hiding and running from, and all of the things that they know they want is possible. I'm just here to punch them into believing and accepting that this is their time to do something about it. You're at a point in your life where you've never been more prepared. You're at a point in your life where there is a clock and it is ticking. And you're at a point in your life where you're ready. So what does normal 40 do? It inspires that it's possible and it, it shows up and gives you a plan to use 
to help you navigate the tough, scary, lonely, awkward path that you have in front of you. And really what normal 40 is in the long game, that's the short game. The short game is to get you moving. I view normal 40 in the long game for the rest of your life, for as long as whoever's listening to my voice now, for as long as you live, normal 40 is your insurance policy against the regret of wishing you'd have tried. Normal 40 is insurance. It's the insurance that you don't get 30 years older than you are today and look back on this day and this conversation and this moment in your life and say, son of a bitch, I wish I'd have tried. I knew my future wasn't in that company. I knew I had a dream. I knew I had my best days were in front of me back then. I knew I was ready and I didn't try. I'm an insurance policy against future regret. Sounds like all you need is a little bit of hope lawn to, uh, to maybe give you that, that push. Um, where can people find more information about what you're working on, the things that you're doing? I know you show up in a lot of different places. So yeah, we've reached the shameless plug portion of the podcast. Where can people find more? Where can people continue to get involved and, and, uh, and get more of, uh, of your content? I want to, uh, couple places. First, I want to tell you that um, normal 40 is changing lives. I, uh, I'm a little over a year in, Adam, and it's kind of humbling, the notes I get. And I get them often. I get them from this podcast, thanks to you. I get them from posts. I get them from things I have on my website. And I most of all, I get them from the people I coach, to be quite honest. And they, they leave me heartfelt notes of thanks which is, that is my measuring stick. It's not my income. My income is no longer a financial metric. It's the number of notes of thanks I get from people who say, you helped inspire change in my life and helped me see what was possible. And it's happening. And I do a lot of those things for free. One of those places I do it is you can go to my website and you can book a free ramble. And I'll tell you, I've never been booked out further than I am now. I'm booking into uh, end of June. Um, and those that those book out because they work, they matter, they inspire hope, they plant seeds of change, and people come back and they 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 want more because change happens in a forty five minute conversation with a dude who's been there. So that's one. Come book a free ramble. It's on my website. Two, I've got a, I've got a community that I want people to join. It costs you twenty five dollars a month, and if it's not the best twenty five dollars a month you spend. I'll give you your money back. Just tell me if it wasn't worth it. I would give it all back because if it's not worth it, it, I get it. Then, then you shouldn't be paying for it. It's 25 bucks a month. I show up there multiple times a week. It's where real conversations happen. And I don't care what your title is. I don't care if you're a director. I don't care if you're CEO. I don't care if you're a surgeon. I don't care if you're a colonel in the United States army. I don't care if you're a medical device salesman. I don't care if you're a partner in a law firm. I don't care. I care that you're a dude who's on a mission, you're looking for some hope and you want to work a plan that gets you motivated and gets you clarity on what you want to be in two years from now. That's what that group does. And I want people to come in there and I want them to engage and I want them to get clarity. Found on my website, it's called The Insider. Um, you can go there. I'm going to be launching another cohort. My cohort, my last one cohort literally sold out in one week. Um, but you can get on the waiting list there. Do that. Of course, do this podcast. Um, and I'm, you know, we, we do podcasts. We test. We test a lot of things with the podcast. We did podcasts recently that um, went a lot of different directions. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. And that's probably a sign we're doing things right because we can't just we can't just 
get it straight down the fairway every time and, and feel like we're not trying new things and testing it. Um, and I love it. So keep coming, coming there. Um, and, uh, then I got a book coming out and I, I tell you, I sent the book out to about 40 people for pre-read and the words and sentences I've gotten back in days. It's only been out there a few days. It's been just incredible. So in time, you'll be able to buy my book. So look, I don't, I don't even know where I'm, I'm supposed to be plugging. And really what I'm saying is go to my website, join this community, just do it. If this has been bouncing around in your head, you got nothing to lose. Nobody, nobody knows you're in there except for the people who are in there and they're just like you and I'm in there. So come on in, download the 14 questions. One more plug. If you're looking where to start, if that's too much on my website is a planner and the planner is designed to help people in the day-to-day task of what's important today. It asks you to capture the things that you catch yourself dreaming about. And for five American dollars, you can have it. So anyway, that's probably more plugs than you need, but look, this is my way. I'm just like, do something. God, do something. Use this emotion that you feel right now, the hope that you've got and the kick in your ass I'm trying to give you right now, do something. I'm doing everything I can to get you going. I'm just two years ahead of you. Do something. Again, your support for this podcast. Also appreciate it. Make sure you uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We would certainly appreciate that because here's the good news. You're not getting rid of us anytime soon. We're going to keep showing up here. Uh, we're, we're now on a once a week cadence. So if, you, if you're if you just new to the proceedings, you got about 16 uh, episodes uh, that you can catch up on over the next couple of days. Uh, but we will we will continue to be in your eardrums, on your TV screens, on your on your computer screens for the foreseeable future. So you're not getting rid of us that easy, uh, which means we were going to continue to show back up here and we will see you next time. We need you to show up as well. We'll see you on the other page.